Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, even depending on wherever you are and whatever time you are listening to this particular podcast. You're listening to Rachel McCartane. Hello and welcome. And this is another edition of The Plotting Shed. Well, my, hasn't the weather changed this particular week? Last week, I was sitting outside having my little gecko lizard moment in the in a sun trap with my face to the sun and a cup of tea thinking, oh, life is wonderful. And this morning, I've had to dig into the bottom of my wardrobe and get the vests back out again because it's jolly chilly well, compared to how it's been last week. But it just has got very autumnal all of a sudden. The wind has been blowing and the rain has been raining and my garden is now full of leaves and as we speak the heavens are just about to open so if you hear the quiet thudding in the background uh, we're having a real downpour outside. So autumn is well and truly here. But what of this week's little short episode? Well I've always tried to explain design and garden design in slightly different ways to the average book and magazine and I don't use the phraseology that you find in magazines. I don't sit there and talk about designing contemporary or modern or cottage gardens and all that kind of bump. I always try and think how would the ordinary gardener try and find out what you know what to do with the garden what questions would they need to know um, if they have things for the garden how do they need to know how to use them what can I do how can I impart my knowledge in a way in a manner that you a less experienced gardener or somebody who just doesn't really want to be a dedicated gardener can still enjoy a, a, um, the benefits of having a really lovely garden I was having a look through pictures and magazines as I always do to try and see what is out there at the moment and looking through the internet and one of the traits with modern gardens over the last decade or two has been their shrinkage you know gardens have got much much smaller lots of new housing developments are being built and the gardens that you get are becoming increasingly more odd shapes that houses are being tucked into nooks and crannies and and so the space that we have available outside is shrinking and I thought one of the greatest design tricks that you can use in any small garden is to use a mirror because of the way that you can use it to deceive the eye and it makes things feel bigger and it makes you feel like you've got more space but actually in smaller gardens and small urban gardens using a mirror really well so you create that illusion without creating the oh I see you've put a mirror over in the corner that's clever reaction from people is a bit more tricky so I thought if we actually talk about how you can do it then you can only you can utilize mirrors to make your garden a better a brighter a more attractive more interesting place to be so this is just a short little podcast about how you do garden mirrors you'll find all the details and the pictures of various things and some photographs that i've put on on the website if you look plantplots.com forward slash garden mirrors it will pop up so you can go and have a look at everything there plus there's all the usual the rest of the pages that we've got on all sorts of garden design or if you've got any questions give me a buzz rachel at plantplots.com you can email me 
I'll be happy to answer any questions that you've got. There are four ways that we will use a garden mirror or we can use the reflection that the mirror gives us because that's actually what we're using. It's not the mirror itself. It's the reflection we're interested in and how we use those in the garden. So there are four functions that we have. The first one is to reflect sunlight into darker spaces and lighten up darker spaces. Secondly, mirrors can be used to add depth to a garden border or a part of a garden. You can use them also to help hide ugly objects or disguise things that you don't want people to see. And lastly, mirrors can be used as a piece of artwork or sculpture in their own right. But sometimes it's quite difficult to get the placement of the mirrors right and actually get the mirror producing the effect that you want to have. If we look at those, all the four different functions that they have and just go through what you need to think about and what you don't need to think about. Now, one of the great things, obviously a lot of people do, is we can put a mirror in to lighten up dark corners or gloomier areas. The key design blooper, if you like, that you will commit is when you put the mirror into that darker corner, the reflection that you normally see or that you will see most often is one of either the sun itself, the sky, or really, really bright light because it will just look really odd. What you're trying to do is actually bounce the light, the ambient light, back into that corner. But if you have direct sunlight falling on the mirror, first things, it's a bit like having a torch shined in your eye. It's annoying, you don't really want it. And secondly, it just, it, it's out of kilter. It just does not look right. The angle that you will see that mirror at most often, so it might be from a standing point of view that you're looking predominantly from your kitchen or your sitting room window out into the garden. Or it might be that you're sitting, when you're sitting in the patio at the garden and you've got the mirror there, the most commonly view that you will have the mirror is the one that you want to concentrate on most. And it may be that you need to angle the mirror slightly pointing towards the ground so it'll still pick up light, but you won't pick up blue sky. You won't pick give this odd reflection that you're looking at this dark corner and all of a sudden you're seeing clouds floating by because it just won't look right. So angle the mirror slightly down and then secondly, make sure as much as possible that the actual edges of the mirror are disguised or softened by planting or in some way that you don't see the harsh edges of the mirror because then you're going to get this juxtaposition of this light reflecting foliage next to a really piece of dark wall or foliage or whatever and that again rather than getting the benefit of the reflection what you're doing is saying here's a mirror look at what i've done and it loses some of its mystique the effect that you are trying to get similarly if you want to add depth to a garden you can reflect the plants in front into the mirror and it seems that there is a hole and you have a bigger deeper garden border so the key here is 
the fact that what you want to do, what you have planted in front of the mirror, shouldn't be too dense so you can actually see through it. It also shouldn't be too low in the mirror. You need to fill the space in front of the mirror so that what you get are glimpses of a reflection and that will hide the obviousness that this is a mirror reflecting something in front. Secondly, if the plants that you use will move, that again will make your, give the impression rather that the garden border is moving deeper into the mirror and you don't notice it as a reflection. Again, you need to try and order the reflection from the main viewing point. So whether it's where you're sitting, as I said, on the patio, whether you're looking at it standing up from the, from the mirror, what you want to try and avoid is seeing yourself because again, what you're stating there is this is a mirror and this is a reflection rather than creating this visual illusion. By having more planting in front of the mirror that you can see peaks through and it peaks into the distance, you will give the impression. But if you just have a big open space with a pot and an olive tree in front of it, for example, it will look like a reflection of a pot and an olive tree. So you need to be a little bit creative. Now, when I was looking at um, concealing ugly objects and how we can hide things, I found the most brilliant picture of a garden shed. Now, I know it's a bit of an art installation and it must have taken ages and ages and it was obviously a little bit expensive to do. But my goodness me, it's absolutely fabulous. You can see it on the post that I've put on there. So plantplots.com forward slash garden mirrors. But what this particular person or artist has done is they have covered the, the entire shed in different sized mirrored discs, which they've then grouted in. So you have this entire wall and side wall of the shed that is tiny little sort of round circles like log slices stuck all over the all over the shed and it reflects the images of the garden around and it looks absolutely brilliant and I must admit I'm kind of tempted to sit there thinking whenever I've got a few hundred pounds in a couple of spare days I might do something like that myself because it's just so good and I would love to do something like that say on the corner of my of my house we've got a a, a white walled house and I just think wouldn't that look amazing if I actually instead of having just plain white walls but I added some kind of mirror art installation on a corner in a rather um, random pattern so you actually lose the corner of the house as you walk past it it's been visually disguised but I've got to run that one past the husband first and he'll, he'll probably go oh my god what are you doing but you never know I think it could look good but back to what we were talking about because mirrors reflect the light that's falling upon them, if you put them in front of something that's really ugly, you can hide what's ugly by reflecting something that's nice. So it goes without saying that actually, if you've got a really ugly garden shed, having a really big mirror that you put in front to reflect different things will hide the shed in plain sight. 
And again then, if you add taller planting and planting that will move, that movement coupled with the movement of the reflection in the mirror will capture your attention. You notice those things a lot more, which means things like ugly sheds and all the rest of it don't jump front and centre into your viewpoint. And you can do this with all sorts of things. You could do this with you've got a little small garden divider, say, for example, hiding the bins behind it. Make a feature of it. Make something beautiful. In a small garden, everything has to work. Everything has to work hard in order to give you a more enjoyable place to be. And we need to start to be a bit more creative. You know, there is so much underused capacity and, and potential that gardens have to be made to be really beautiful. And it doesn't have to be an expensive art installation like this particular shed, although it is very stunning. You know, mirrors are very cheap. You can buy mirrored tiles now that you can get self-adhesive ones and lots of garden centres and some of the online garden centres sell these bronzed or silvery or gold or antique shaped mirrors that you can stick onto surfaces really, really easily. And you can transform the shapes of parts of your garden. And it's just about being a little bit adventurous. You know, the worst that can happen is it doesn't look nice and you can take it down again, but at least have a go. Now, the last element of having mirrors in the garden or having something like that is actually when you use a use the actual mirror itself as its own standalone piece of artwork or sculpture. Now, you know the sort of thing. Again, there are stainless steel water features that we have. They're mirrored surfaces. We have stainless steel obelisks and statues. There are mirrored statues. So all of these are a real look at me focal point in themselves. And what you need to think about when you're, when you're going to site these in the garden is that is the placement. Very often people get a piece of sculpture and you just find a space to plonk it down, but that's not how you actually use them and get the best out of them. Because the one question that you need to ask yourself is that when you're sitting in the garden, or maybe most of your time would be looking at the garden from your sitting room window, for example, the question you need to ask is where does your gaze naturally fall? Where does it linger? And this is where you use the sculpture. Now, if where your gaze naturally lingers is something relatively nice to look at, you can add to that by putting in a focal point, putting in a piece of artwork, a sculpture, a garden mirror, because you're naturally looking there anyway, so you're enhancing and improving what you see. But if your gaze naturally falls on something that isn't quite so attractive, it might be the, you know, the gate, or it might be where the bins are, or it might be the corner of the shed, then what we need to do is use the sculpture to draw your attention away, and so that you look at something more attractive instead. 
Now, it's not just the sculpture that has to create that. You have to use lines and planting to draw your eye and your attention away from the offending articles towards the new ones. And there's obviously a whole load of books and articles written about how you can redesign your garden on that. So the mirrors or the piece of sculpture there are your focal point, but you can't just plonk a focal point. It has to have a reason for being there. Which gets me onto the, the, the last point is obviously we've talked about garden mirrors and a mirror, most mirrors are made of glass backed by silver. That's what makes the mirrors and obviously glass in a garden is not necessarily the right thing. But there are now a whole range of outdoor mirrors that you can have. So you can use ordinary household mirrors and put them in the garden. There are Perspex outdoor mirrors. There's even polished metal that you can use. And the choice of material is really dependent on the job that you need the mirror to do for you. If you're looking at lightening a dark, you know, a darker corner, then you can use um, more polished surfaces because you don't need a pure reflection. You don't need to give the illusion of, of depth in the garden. You're just looking to bounce light back. So it could be that you use some of the polished metal mirrored surfaces, which don't give you a completely accurate reflection. There's slight warping in there, but you don't, that doesn't matter. You don't need that. Perspex mirrors, again, are pretty good. They can have some distortion. But again, if you had an area of the garden that was being well used uh, near a patio or you've got younger children, for example, Perspex mirrors are much safer. Obviously, glass mirrors, if you're going to use antique glass mirrors or, or mirrors from the house and, and put them outside, you have to consider the safety aspect. And what I've done in the mirrors in my garden is they've all been taped along the back with a very strong adhesive tape. So in the event something does cause them to break, they're not going to get shattered glass all over the floor. But the most important aspect of using garden mirrors by far, and I learned this from bitter experience, um, is actually not what the mirrors do for us. It's the problems that they cause for the wildlife in the garden. And most, most obviously, it, it's the birds in the garden that you have to consider. If you put a garden mirror in or any form of reflective surface, and it's a great big expanse of surface, then the birds are not going to realise that that is a solid surface and you will find that they will fly into the big mirrors and sadly often this will kill the birds and certainly stuns them but it's not nice. It, I, I put a mirror up in my garden on a fence many many years ago and within a few days uh, there was a dead bird had flown straight into the mirror because they hadn't realised that it wasn't a, a solid object. So if you are going to have a large mirror, and large mirrors can be superbly effective and brilliant in a small garden, then you must have some form of trellising or wiring in front of it so that a bird does not perceive it as open sky. So it can be wooden trellis. You can put a trellis in front of it. You can even just put nails around the outside of the, the garden mirror and you know we used to use those old geometric patterns and you can put wire around it to sort of create a pattern of wire across the mirror but anything 
that prevents it appearing to be open sky. And then you get the benefits of the reflections and what you want the mirror to do. You get the light bounce back, you get it making your garden feeling bigger, it adds more interest, it just creates a little bit of an illusion, it can make people do a double take, it's, you know, everything just adds interest to the garden and it's not very expensive to have them. But what you don't do is you don't cause damage to the birds and the wildlife by them flying into it. So I hope that has given you some ideas of how you can use a garden mirror. Obviously there are lots of other different ways that you can use mirrors. There's some pictures on the post that I've put on the on the website. I've also got a book out which is called I Want to Like My Garden. It's available online as paperback or as an ebook and obviously if you download it as an ebook it's instant and you save the planet because we haven't had to print it. So have a look it's available in most online bookstores, you can have a, have a look, but it's packed with all sorts of advice for your, for real gardeners problems and real issues, not show gardens and how to create fantastic things, but really very much how to make your garden better for you. So take a look and please do subscribe to this particular podcast. Um, you can also donate if you go onto the website any donations will be hugely appreciated and have a really good week you've been listening to Rachel McCartane at the plotting shed I will speak to you in another week to 10 days time in the meantime enjoy the summer the end of summer sunshine if we do have some and take care bye for now